Hands of My Podcast is a proud member of Darkcast Network, presenting the brightest of indie podcasts. Hey, I'm Gina. And I'm Amber. And we are here to bring you the Weird True Crime Podcast, where we cover true crime cases that will leave you asking yourself, did that really happen? We'll dive into well-known and not-so-known cases throughout history. Some are unsolved and some are just unbelievable. We'll also talk about current news topics that range from kooky to questionable on episodes that we like to call Weird Headlines. Be sure to subscribe and listen on your favorite podcast service. Hola, my beautiful humans. This is Jasmine Castillo, and I bring stories and cases from the people of color community, bringing awareness of murdered and missing indigenous women, girls, two spirits, the LGBTQ community, Asian American, Native Hawaiian, Pacific Islander, black indigenous people of color. These are their stories. So welcome to Hands Off, my podcast. This is part two of a four-part series that I am exploring the issues of missing and murdered black women and girls, which has been ignored far too long. Part one was dropped on August 10th. If you haven't listened to this part, please do so and come back to this episode when finished. I discuss the stories of women and girls of color. This episode highlights the alarming statistic that African-American women and girls are nearly three times more likely to be victims of homicide, despite making up only 7% of the population in Minnesota. Additionally, black women make up 40% of domestic violent victims in the state of Minnesota alone. MMAAW Task Force was created in 2021 by the Minnesota Legislature and coordinated by the Minnesota Department of Public Safety, DPS. The task force included representatives from government agencies, law enforcement, legal professionals, healthcare institutions, and local organizations to provide support to black women and girls. Research in Action conducted extensive research with interviews involving African-American women and girls as well as individuals working within relevant agencies and institutions. This task force found that racism and the lingering effects of slavery are root causes behind the concerning trend of negative stereotypes about black women and girls. These stereotypes, which include beliefs such as black people being in dangerous, hypersexualized, irresponsible, or lazy, continue to have detrimental impacts on their lives today. In order to combat violence against African-American women and girls, it is necessary to address systemic racism and challenge stereotypes. Doing so will create a safer environment for everyone regardless of race or gender. Groundbreaking steps taken by Minnesota in May of 2023, recognizing the urgent need to address the violence against African-American women and girls. Minnesota established the nation's first office of missing and murdered African-American women and girls 
This initiative is a beacon of hope, not just for Minnesota, but for the entire nation. Following Minnesota's lead, Illinois and Wisconsin have also launched similar initiatives. These states are setting a precedent for the rest of the country, and we are here to ensure their efforts and the stories of these women and girls are heard nationwide. I have spent significant time researching the stories of these women and girls that I'm mentioning here in this episode, and I unfortunately have found that there is not much information available. I'm determined to share their stories. These women and girls are overlooked by the media and public due to their stories not being deemed clickable. And I apologize in advance for the lack of information available. But I also stress that these individuals are not insignificant, but rather lost family members such as sisters, aunts, mothers, cousins, loved ones. In this episode, I will discuss the lives of Tahani Abdi Orman Erbob and Toinette Dana Hawkins, Stephanie Leanne Smith, and L. Reagan. These are their stories. On the night of April 11, 2014, apartment parking lot near the Lake Street and 29th Avenue South became the scene of a chilling double homicide. The victims, a man and a woman, were found shot to death in their parked car. The following day, the Hennepin County Medical Examiner's Office identified the victims as Dahir Ahmed Abderrahman, 29 of Minneapolis and Tahani Abdi Omar Urbab, 24, of Columbia Heights. The details of this tragic incident are as chilling as they are heartbreaking. Police spokesman John Elder had said that officers had responded to a report of gunshots just before 9.30 p.m. of the evening of April 11th. Abdiraman was recently released from prison for a 2008 conviction for felony robbery. The shooting was not random, for there had been no arrests. The news of the double slaying sent shockwaves through the community, especially the Somalis community. Neighbors were left in disbelief, struggling to come to terms with the fact that such a horrific incident had occurred in their neighborhood. Omar Jamal, a Somali community advocate, said the woman's relatives said they did not know who had shot her. He said her family and others told him that the couple were of Somali descent. Jamal had expressed condolences to the families and the Somali community in general, where he said word was spreading fast after this incident. Quote, this is a very intense situation right now. End quote, he states. So on the following week, a Minnesota Somali community leaders were soul searching at a community meeting following the last week's killing of Dahir and Tahani. Abdirazak Bihi, 
a well-known leader and activist in the Twin Cities Somali community and a director of the Somali Education and Social Advocacy Center, helped convene the Monday's meeting on short notice at the Brayon Coyle Community Center in the Cedar Riverside neighborhood in Minneapolis. He said the meeting is a way to launch more productive discussion about the violence against people of Somali descent in Minnesota. Now, Bihi isn't a stranger to the type of violence that takes place amongst the Somalis in Minnesota. He himself was a crime victim of carjacking in early September of 2020. It was a chilly and gray Labor Day, perfect day for some soup. That's what brought Abdirzak Bihi to this co-op. I was very hungry. I... The father and community advocate was so hungry, he started to eat his soup in the car. He says five teens surrounded him. He rolled his window down, thinking they may ask for help. But instead, they asked for something else. We are here to collect. And I said, collect what? And he said, your car. Some others came already around the other side. And suddenly, we were pulling the doors. I realized it was car checking. Then the pepper, uh, pepper spraying uh, started in my face. Luckily, I was wearing my glasses. Suddenly, the man who helped so many in the community needed help himself. He asked a store worker for assistance as teens took his car and tried to take his wallet. Abdirzak says the staff at the co-op and Minneapolis police acted quickly. In fact, in just a few minutes, they had caught one of the suspects. He says the car was recovered. Behe says he's shaken up. And after a decade of building up young people, he wants better for them and better for his city. I think it's a... Um wake-up call for us as the residents of this city to go beyond politics and figure out how we're going to be safe. We need to change the way we approach this victimization of our young people in our community, Behe said. Every time things happen, we are mad at police. Then we just go away. But one thing that's not going away is the brutality of the crime. End quote. If you know any information about the shooting deaths of Tahir Ahmed Abdirahman and Tahani Abdi Omar Urbab, tipsters can remain anonymous. You can either call police at 612-673-2941. Anonymous calls can also be made on a tip line at 612-692. 8477. On a faithful evening of Wednesday, May 23, 2012, around 9 p.m., the tranquility of the neighborhood was shattered by the sound of gunfire. The police were promptly alerted and arrived at the scene to find a horrifying sight. On the northeast Minneapolis neighborhood, 2500 block of Stinson Parkway, an adult female, later identified as Antoinette. Dana Hawkins had been shot, reportedly lived in the home when the shooting occurred. Others were in the home when the incident took place, police stated. However, despite the best efforts of the medical professionals at Hennepin County Medical Center, Antoinette's injuries proved to be severe. She was pronounced dead, leaving behind a community in shock and a family in mourning. The Hennepin County Medical Examiner confirmed her identity on the following Friday, adding a name and a face to the victim of this senseless act of violence. The police have no suspects in custody for the shooting death of Antoinette. 
police are looking for at least two suspects. They have determined that the shooting was not a random act. If you have any information on the shooting of Antoinette Dana Hawkins, please contact 2nd Precinct, Minneapolis Police Department at 612-673-5702. Stephanie Leanne Smith was more than just a victim of a tragic incident. She was a bright young woman with a promising future ahead of her. At the age of 21, she was already pursuing her dream of becoming a psychologist. At MCTC, Minneapolis Community and Technical College, her mother, Pam Smith, emphasized that Stephanie was not involved in any illegal activity. She was a young woman focused on her studies and her future. Monday, March 28, 2011, on a seemingly ordinary day, in the 3400 block of Park Avenue South, an unexpected tragedy occurred. Stephanie Leanne Smith and a 20-year-old man were sitting inside a car when they were shot. The neighbors, startled by the sound of gunshots, called 911 after witnessing an SUV speed away from the scene. Stephanie was pronounced dead at the ER. The man was taken to Hennepin County Medical Center and was treated for a non-life-threatening gunshot wound. One witness said he believed he crossed paths with the people involved just moments before the shooting. The man who experienced this horroring encounter was walking towards his friend's home when he saw two men approach an SUV with two people standing outside the vehicle. Seconds later, he heard gunshots ring out, something that could have easily been him if he had just arrived moments earlier. Stephanie, she had so much potential and left behind so many people who loved her dearly. Pam, Stephanie's mother, said, quote, She was generous, warm, loving, and funny. I don't know what I'm going to do without her, end quote. Elvina Starks is another family friend who spoke out about Stephanie's death. She said she saw Stephanie shortly before she died. Elvina said, quote, she was at my house. She had just left, end quote. Police are still searching for answers in this case, but have yet to make any arrests or name any suspects publicly. They're asking anyone with information related to the case to come forward and help them find justice for Stephanie Leanne Smith. As Elvina puts it, somebody seen something. Don't be afraid to tell, end quote. This is an incredibly tragic event. We can only hope that justice will eventually be served for Stephanie and everyone else affected by this tragedy. Anyone with information is asked to call the Crime Stoppers at 1-800-222-8477. Elle Reagan is a six-year-old girl who has been missing from Northfield, Minnesota since June 19, 2022. Her mother, Lisa Wade, was found dead by suicide on July 2, 2022. Police found Wade's body at a park in Stearns County, Minnesota. 
Well, this is an update on the investigation of missing six-year-old L. Reagan. Uh, as of this time, authorities have been unable to locate L. Uh, we continue to ask for the public's assistance in sharing any information that they have concerning the disappearance of L. Reagan or her current whereabouts. Uh, officers and agents have followed up on hundreds of leads and case information that have developed in the past three days, and this was first reported on July 2nd at about noon. A recap of that original call is that the Northfield Police Department was sent to a uh, residence at 604 Maplebrook Court in Northfield uh, by a call from an extended family member. Police discovered an apparent suicide of the 39-year-old resident that was ID'd as Lisa Wade. Uh, we were unable to locate Wade's six-year-old daughter, L. Reagan, uh, at that time. Police searched the house and surrounding area with officers, canine teams, drones, and a helicopter. We did not locate L or any other evidence outside of the home. The initial investigation revealed that Wade may have been involved in the disappearance of her six-year-old daughter before taking her own life. Since that time, the investigation has continued and it has revealed the following information. L was last seen on Sunday, June 19th. On June 21st at about noon, Lisa Wade drove from her home in Northfield to Mississippi River Park in Stearns County, just outside of Rice, Minnesota. We learned this information uh, obtained through cell phone records that were obtained through a search warrant. At about 3 p.m. on that day, her cell phone shut off in the area of the park and has not turned on since that time. On June 23rd, at about 9 a.m., Stearns County Deputy had contact with Lisa in the park, and at that time, uh, her vehicle was parked at the park. She told the deputy she lost her phone and car keys while hiking the trails in the park, and she needed assistance. Uh, she was alone at that time, and the deputy assisted her in arranging for a tow for her vehicle to a local dealership to get a new key. During the week of June 25th, Lisa had contact with family members and seemed distraught. When officers learned of the Mississippi Park location, teams of canines, drones, dive teams, underwater search drones, along with public safety search teams, searched the park and the Mississippi River. The search revealed evidence related to this case, including the discovery of Elle's cell phone on land and Lisa's cell phone and purse containing her driver's license and vehicle keep fob in the river. The search of the park and the river is ongoing and the park in this portion of the river is closed to the public at this time by order of the Stearns County Sheriff. Investigators have been able to locate video of Lisa between June 23rd and July 2nd at various locations, but Elle was not seen with her at any of those times. An autopsy was performed on Lisa Wade and we are awaiting lab results for the final autopsy report. The BCA Crime Lab has completed processing of the home and lab analysis is pending on any items of evidence that we've recovered, uh, as well as additional analysis of her vehicle. Uh, lab analysis of the items that were covered in the park is also pending. This is an open and active investigation. We will have updates and new information as it's discovered and we'll be sure to update you folks. We are continuing to get a very high level of support from the Rice and Stearns County Sheriff's Department, the Minnesota BCA, and the Federal Bureau of Investigation's Minneapolis Field Office. Elle's father, Chris Reagan, described her as a happy and healthy child who loved playing with her friends and family. However, her mother, Lisa, had a history of mental health issues 
including bipolar disorder and depression. She had previously been hospitalized for psychiatric treatment. The police suspect that Lisa Wade might have planned Elle's disappearance, as evidenced by a note found in her car saying, quote, I'm taking Elle with me, end quote. Since Elle's disappearance, police have received hundreds of leads. They have searched the Mississippi River and other areas in Minnesota and Wisconsin, but they have not found any sign of Elle. Elle was last seen on June 19th at her home in Northfield. She was reported missing by her father, Chris Reagan, who had not seen her since June 17th. Police searched the area around her home and conducted interviews with her friends and family, but they were unable to find any leads. The case has gained national attention, with Elle's story being featured on news programs and social media. It's been more than a year after Elle's disappearance. Her case remains unsolved. Police are still asking for the public's help in finding her. Elle Reagan is considered endangered missing. Since June 19, 2022, her current age is seven years old. She is a black female, complexion medium. Her height is at three feet, six inches and weighs about 45 pounds. Brown hair, medium length, and brown eyes. Anyone with information about Elle's whereabouts is asked to contact the Northfield Police Department at 507-645-4477. Now I know this is a heavy topic, but it's one that we need to discuss. It's a topic that affects us all, whether directly or indirectly. And it's a topic that we can all play a part in addressing. The 988 Lifeline is a service that provides 24-7 free and confidential support for people in distress. It's a beacon of hope in the darkest of times. 988 Lifeline isn't just for those who are in crisis. It's also a resource for their loved ones, for those who are worried about someone they care about. It provides prevention and crisis resources that can help you understand what your loved one is going through and how you can help them. 988 Lifeline isn't just a phone service, it is also a comprehensive online resource. On their website, you can find a wealth of information about suicide prevention, you can learn about the warning signs of suicide, how to talk to someone who might be suicidal, and where to find additional resources, especially when it comes to my Black, Indigenous, neurodivergent, and LGBTQ community. We can all educate ourselves about the warning signs of suicide, about the factors that can contribute to suicidal thoughts and behaviors. We can all learn how to have difficult conversations, how to listen without judgment, how to offer support and encouragement. And most importantly, we can all remind ourselves and each other that it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to admit that you're struggling. It's okay to reach out to someone and say, I need help. So my beautiful listeners, 
Let's all do our part to help prevent suicide. Let's all make use of the resources available to us. Let's all reach out to those who might be struggling. Let's all be there for each other. If you enjoy our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to come back for our discussion of true crime stories. Starting in June, I will be switching over the podcast to be a bi-weekly pod platform. Until then, this is Jasmine Castillo. We are voiceless no more. This podcast was created, produced, recorded, researched, and edited by Jasmine Castillo. Current active member of Dark Cast Network, Transto Task Force, Uncovered.com, and partners with Search and Support San Antonio.